You're listening to Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. Here's what's coming up in today's edition. The church is about good works. The church is about showing the love of Jesus in practical ways. This is the way our light shines. Are you with me, everybody? God wants every single believer to be involved in a good deed, good works, good actions in the name of Jesus for His glory, not ours. We don't do it so people will look and go, oh, aren't they spiritual? I don't care about that, but I do want them to see. I want them to, to look up because it says they will praise your Father in heaven because they know you're real when you do things like that. It shines the light. Consider the transformative truth that irrespective of the depth of your past mistakes, do you know that God desires to redeem you from the weight of your sins? Do you know that no matter what you've done, God has a place prepared for you in heaven? In today's message, Pastor Jeff wants you to know that God extends overwhelming love and grace for a heart-seeking repentance. Despite the hiccups of your past, God's desire is to free you from the shackles that are holding you back. Well, let's join Pastor Jeff in the book of Ephesians chapter 1 as he continues his message, The Importance of Why. So many Christians these days go through a little trial here and there and they sink. You will never sink like that if you understand your why. Amen? Everybody say the why advantage. See, we're going to leave this series with the why advantage blazing on our heart. So let's start. I want to start real elementary on first base with this whole idea of the why advantage. And let me tell you this. First of all, when God saved you, he had a plan. You say, well, of course, Jeff, I know he had a plan to get me to heaven. You ask most Christians, well, what did God do for you when you got saved? Well, I'm going to heaven. And we have this understanding that the whole reason I got saved was to go to heaven. Well, that's one of the good reasons. And that ought to get you saved right there. If you don't get saved, you're not going to heaven. But that's only part of God's plan. We've got to get that in our minds. He has a plan for your time on earth and mine. When God saved you, he had a plan. Can you say that with me? When God saved me, he had a plan. Jeremiah 29, 11. We all know the verse, but let me read. Listen how many times it mentions plans. For I know, says God, the plans I have for you. Declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you hope and a future. I think he had a plan. Amen? So, so now who's he telling that to? He's telling that to his own people languishing in Babylonian captivity for their own sin. They had royally messed up, but yet God comes to them and says, let me tell you something, I've still got a plan. I've got a plan. If you've messed up today, uh, the devil will come to you and tell you, you're all washed up. You might as well just walk away because you've messed up royally. I counter that with the word of God. Even if you have messed up, God still has a plan. He has a plan. What kind of plan? What, what is it? What did we just read about? Well, they were good plans. They were future plans. And they were hopeful plans to give them a future and a hope. God had a plan for his people. Now you are his people. We are his new covenant people, washed in the blood of the Lamb, born again, children of God. He is our genuine heavenly Father. And that same God that said that to Israel says it to us, I've got a plan. When you got saved, I had a plan in my mind for you. 
In another place, we see the Lord telling Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb. Who formed in the, him in the womb? God did. Isn't that what it says? Amen. Everybody say formed. formed. So who's involved in your formation in the womb of your mama? God is. Before I formed you in the womb. What does he say? I knew you. And before you were born, I set you apart. And I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Now, now, God's plan, notice, was preemptive. He preemptively, on purpose, intentionally formed and called Jeremiah to accomplish his plan before he was even born. And when God saw you and formed you in the womb, he knew of the day that would come in your future when you would call on his son and be saved. And before, and believe it or not, when you were still in the womb, God looked at you and said, their day is coming. They're going to be born again. And when they're born again, I've got a plan for their life. Now, listen to this psalm. You created my inmost being, says David. You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And it gets even better. He goes on. You saw me before I was born. And you scheduled, everybody say scheduled. scheduled. Each day of my life before I began to breathe. Every day was recorded in your book. Now, listen carefully. A scheduler schedules something because the scheduler has a plan. And look what he says. I scheduled every day of your life. He said, well, how can that be, Pastor Jeff? Because I had some terrible days. That's okay. God knew your terrible days were coming. He still had a plan. And he still has a plan. Uh, you are on the potter's wheel. You are his workmanship. And his plan is being worked out in your life. We've got to understand that I'm not a mistake. I'm not an evolution. Evolution didn't spit me into time. No, God formed me, knitted me, made me, created me, fashioned me, molded me to, into who I am. And God had a plan for me before I ever breathed. If all my days are scheduled, then all my days have been planned by a great capital P planner. God has a plan. Whether or not you're aware of it, whether or not you fully understand it, that's okay. God's got a plan. And, and, and in case you're still in doubt about this being true of you, let me jump into the New Testament and read you what Ephesians 2 verse 10 says. It is God himself who has made us. Same idea. It is God himself who has made us what we are, and given us new lives from Christ Jesus. And long ages ago, he planned that we should spend these lives in helping others in Jesus' name. Long ages ago, one of the versions says, before time began, God had your life mapped out, and he had a plan that your life would be a blessing to other people. In Jesus' name. Y'all are so quiet today, you're making me nervous. No, I know what that means. It means you're thinking. Now, now let me tell you, I understand why you're thinking, because this is heavy stuff, but it's true. God had a plan for you. Me, my life's so full of mistakes and tragedies and mess-ups and setbacks and disappointments and betrayals. Absolutely, you're going to see in the next few weeks, none of that stuff stops 
God's plan. So watch this. The Bible is teaching that every one of us was created on purpose for a purpose. It is bigger than us, greater than us, and the most fulfilling and rewarding thing we can ever do is plug into God's plan. I'm so glad for the day that I jumped into God's plan for Jeff Wickwire because my whole life changed when I jumped into his plan. When I received his plan, accepted his plan through Christ and began to walk in that plan, it changed my life. I'm not up here because one day I got a good idea that I need to be a preacher. No, I'm up here because God had a plan for me when I got saved in juvenile home as a 16-year-old juvenile delinquent with long hair, skinny as a rail, and with no future at all, God touched me. And when I got saved, I had no idea of the plan he had. But it began to unfold as I followed Jesus. So, so when you got saved, say it with me. When I got saved, God had a plan. Now, here's the second thing. This is simple, first base, elementary, but please get it. God's plan begins when you get saved. God's plan begins with your salvation. Do you know that God's desire is that for every human being on earth to be saved? That's God's desire. Listen to what it says in 2 Peter 3, 9. God isn't really being slow about his promised return. Do you ever wonder, where's Jesus? If I was God, I'd wrap this whole thing up today. But why is Jesus tarrying? Why hasn't he come back yet? We're about to read it. He isn't being slow about his return, even though it sometimes seems that way. But he's waiting. Why? For the good reason that he's not willing that any would perish. And he's giving more time for sinners to repent. Catch that. Why is God waiting? Why is he watching all the suffering? Why is all the stuff going on in the world? All the terrible things, yet God waits. Why? Because another one's going to get saved, and another one's going to get saved, and yet another one's going to get saved. The day will come when the last one gets saved, and God will turn to his son and say, go get your bride, and the trumpet will blow, and Jesus will come. But until then, why is God waiting? He doesn't want anybody to perish. He's waiting for people to repent to be saved. That's how important it is that you and I and that people are saved. God's waiting for that. He created us to fellowship with him. And and when we reject the salvation he offers, we also reject the plan he has for us. It's after we're saved that we discover God has planned good works for me to involve myself in. Let me read Ephesians 2.10 from another version. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So that there's a reason we got saved and it's more than just heaven. So that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Why did I get saved? Well, yeah, for heaven. But until I get to heaven, it is so that I can involve myself in good works and glorify Christ. See, see, here's the deal. Notice, you'll never participate in God's plan unless you're born again. You're never going to know God's plan unless you're born again. You're never going to walk in his will. You're never going to experience his favor. You're not going to enjoy peace with him until you're born again. 
But the moment, the microsecond you're born again, he begins to work out his plan. So, so you've got to be saved before you ever know his plan. When we turn to Jesus for salvation, the doorway to God's plan for your life is swung wide open. But until then, you're on the other side. You'll never know his plan. You'll never glorify him. You'll never walk with him. You'll never enjoy his presence. It all begins with getting saved. We got to get saved. That's why we share the gospel all the time. We got to get saved. People need to be saved because so much happens when somebody gets saved. Not only are their sins forgiven and not only are they delivered from hell to heaven, from lost to found, from blind to sight, but they're also ushered into God's plan for their life. One day, a number of years ago, I decided it was in a Christmas season that I was going to go and rescue a dog from the shelter. It just came on me. And I decided I'm going to go do it. So I went to the shelter. And I'm walking through all these cages, and it's a hard thing to do. But I see this little mixed breed puppy way back in the corner of a cage all by himself. And looking at him, I knew several things. One, I knew he was terminal. It was a kill shelter. I knew if somebody didn't adopt him, get him out, they would one day put him down. So he was terminal. He just didn't know it. I knew he was imprisoned in a cage. He's imprisoned in a cage. And I also knew there's no way he's ever coming out of this cage unless somebody pays the price to get him out. And I knew that I, as I looked at him, I had a plan for him. I had a plan. That's why I was there in the first place. Because I had a plan. And my plan for him was something like this. I wanted him to be a part of my family. I wanted him to bless my children with companionship and with joy. I wanted him to walk beside me and get to know me. And I wanted to teach him and train him and provide for him and take care of him. And ultimately, I wanted to bring him to my dwelling. I wanted to bring him to my house. All these plans awaited who I would later name Ollie. But here's the deal. It hinged on him coming to me. Because he's way back in the... I couldn't reach him. So I said to myself, if he comes to me, I'm taking him. So I said, here, little guy. At first, he looked at me like, ain't no way. You got that deep voice. I'm not getting near you. But I said, come on, come on. Finally, he gets up and he takes a few careful steps my way, close enough where I could snatch him into my arms and deliver him from the cage and pay the ransom to get him out and take him to my home. And I thought this, I might have said it to him, you just took the most important little steps of your life. <laughs> now let me tell you something. You think you and I are any different? You think Jesus didn't walk around? Because this whole, this whole earth is a kill shelter. And so Jesus comes to all the cages, and he looks in. 
And he gives the call, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, whoever believes on him, comes to him, will not perish, but have everlasting life. And we hear the call. And, and if we don't come to him, we never know what we missed until we die. But if we take a, those few hesitant steps towards him, amen, you, you, you find that he, he saw me in my cage of sin. God sees you and I in the cage of sin, the cage of bondage. We're all in it. We're in a cage of sin when he first sees us. And he knows we're going to perish if we're not delivered because it's a kill shelter. He knows it. And he's already paid the ransom to deliver you and me. He's already slapped down on the desk the only currency that can set us free, and that is the blood of Jesus shed on the cross for you and for me. And, and once you do, you soon discover, once you come to him, that it was about far more than just getting you out of the cage of bondage. No, no, no. There's no way that once Ollie was out of the cage, I was just going to leave him in front of the cage sitting there you know, rejoicing that he's no longer in the cage. No, I had a plan way bigger than just getting him out of the cage. And God has a plan way bigger than just setting you free. He has a plan for your whole life. And here it is, just like what I had for Ollie, to walk with him, to get to know him, to be a blessing to his children, and to be trained and taught and provided for by him, and that your life would be to his glory by the various good works he's planned for you before the world even began. And of course, ultimately, he's going to take us to his house. His house. His house. Amen? Amen. His house. And it all begins, folks, with coming to him. Have you come to him? If you really come to him, you better think about it. If you come to him, maybe there's just one here today that hasn't, I don't know, I don't know everybody here, but we should think about it because Jesus looks into the cage of our life. He sees the bondage and he says, come to me, come to me, come towards me and I will take you and I'll get you out of this. I'll get you out of here. I'll deliver you. I'll bring you into my plan. But you got to step towards him. Have you ever done that? Have you ever stepped towards him and said, God, forgive me? Forgive me, Lord, for my sin. And, and I, I accept what you did for me on the cross. And thank you for the currency that you have laid down to set me free, the ransom paid, the blood of the lamb. Thank you for that shed blood. And, and, and how can we neg neglect so great a salvation? Amen? And so his plan is never known until you're saved. So the important thing to ask, the biggest question in all of life is this one. Do I know Jesus? Do I really know Jesus? Have I been born again? Has my life changed? Do I talk to him, walk with him, get to know him better every day? Do people see a change in my life? Has my lifestyle changed? Has my, have my beliefs changed? Have my values changed? Have my morals changed? Am I a child of God? Because once you're there, his plan is every day being worked out in your life. Amen? Amen. Last thing, base one, is this, getting involved in what he's doing. Getting involved. The why advantage is to get involved in what he's doing. Now, we call this good works. How many of you know God's always moving? 
God's always doing something, but it always relates to his great plan of redemption. That's what he's doing every day. He's about souls being saved. He's about the church being built up in the faith. He's about us becoming like Christ. But everything God is doing on this planet revolves around his great plan of redemption through his son, Jesus Christ. So listen to what Jesus said about you and me. You are, everybody say, I am. The salt of the earth. And then he said, you're the light that shines for the world to see. You, not the Republicans, not the Democrats, not Libertarians, not Washington, not any politician. There's no hope in men. No, the light that is shining in the world is the church because they've been lit by the great light, Jesus Christ. So you are the light that shines for the world to see. He said, you're like a city built on a hill that cannot be hidden. So live so that they will see. Now watch this, look up here. Live so that they will see what, everyone? The good things you what? Do. Good works. And they will look up and praise your Father in heaven when they see the good works. So part of the why advantage, you get saved, you begin walking in his plan, and when you start walking in his plan, you get involved in good things, doing good things. We call them good deeds, good works. We do it in the name of Jesus. They don't save us, but they testify that we have been saved. So good things you do. That's how the light shines. That's how our light shines, by the good things we do. So doing good works. Well, what are they, Pastor Jeff? Well, I can tell you, telling others about Christ. That's a good work. Feeding the hungry. Uh, visiting the sick and the imprisoned. I was in prison. You came to see me. I was sick and you visited me. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. Using your spiritual gift to encourage other believers. Helping others in practical ways like tent menders. That's a light. That's a, that's a light. Beverly's neighbors have seen all this going on. What is all that? Well, their church is over there fixing her bathroom. You think that doesn't shine a light? And they go, oh, so the church isn't all about grabbing people's money. The church is about good works. The church is about showing the love of Jesus in practical ways. This is the way our light shines. Are you with me, everybody? God wants every single believer to be involved in a good deed, good works, good actions in the name of Jesus for his glory, not ours. We don't do it so people will look and go, oh, aren't they spiritual? I don't care about that, but I do want them to see. I want them to, to look up because it says they will praise your Father in heaven because they know you're real when you do things like that. It shines the light. Amen, Pastor Jeff, you're preaching good. Amen. So what kind of good works are, are you and I involved in right now? What kind of good works, what good works have, have, have you done in 2023? Are you involved? Are you doing anything? Can I encourage you? There, there is a dimension of blessing from God you'll never know until you get involved in good works. Good works in his glory, to his glory. Good works that point to him. Good works that let others know that the love of Christ is being manifested in practical ways that lost people in the world can see. Are you involved in church? Are you serving in the church? Are you going out in any of the outreaches, Charles, Amy, and going out to the streets and witnessing for Christ? Are, are, are you doing any of that? Is any of that? When you understand this, you know your why. 
who you are and why you're here. In today's message from Pastor Jeff, he illustrated the importance of turning to the Lord in times of vulnerability. Even when you feel like you're at your worst, God wants nothing more than to minister and soothe you. Regardless of your emotional state or perceived shortcomings, opening up your heart to the Lord becomes a source of solace and strength. In moments of weakness, turning to the Lord is not an admission of defeat, but a step towards healing. If you're interested in learning about Hardwired, Diane has some things to share. Are you interested in partnering with us here at Hardwired? We'd love for you to come alongside us in supporting this ministry. All you have to do is go to our website and find the Donate tab. It's that easy. That website again is hardwired.org. Thanks so much for prayerfully considering this today, and thanks for listening to this radio ministry. Daniel has more to tell you about what's ahead on the upcoming edition of Hardwired. Next time on Hardwired with Pastor Jeff, he highlights the profound sense of peace found in inspiring hearts to turn towards the Lord. Regardless of the tumultuous nature of the world, there's a quiet joy in being a catalyst for spiritual awakening. Helping others find purpose in the Lord not only brings peace to their hearts, but also cultivates a deep sense of fulfillment within yourself. Be the hands and feet of Jesus to a world that needs to hear His message. There's more Pastor Jeff has to share from the book of Ephesians, so be sure to join us again. If you missed any part of today's teaching, you can find it online at hardwired.org. We're so glad we could be part of your day today, and we pray you've been blessed by today's edition of Hardwired.